Hello and welcome to Saladcast. Myself, Ollie Warner and Glyn. Ollie, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And um, we're joined this evening by Glyn's brother, Mike. So welcome, Mike. Thanks very much, yeah. Thanks for having me on. So, Mike, so um, we always like to ask guests um, when, when they first come on to Saladcasters, when did you first start in supporting Shrewsbury? So my first game uh, watching the town was Chester away in the 94-95 season. So I sort of came on during the era, you know, Fred Davis when we went on to win the league and, and all that sort of business. And it was a good time to get involved, I think. I think if I'd have got involved at a sort of lower moment, I might have <laughs> carried on. Um, so we got involved because some friends of our parents invited us along. They said they should bring the lads along. Um, and from that game, really, me and Glenn were both hooked, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's when I got involved really back then. Cool, cool. So, what, and we always like to ask as well, what was your most memorable game as a town fan? There's been a few memorable for good and bad reasons, mostly bad, I think. Um, but my mind always goes back to NK Don's away in the playoffs, um, just because of the mental after we won and after we scored. <laughs> it was just a crazy day and, you know, a full away end. Proper everybody chanting and you know seeing some of my friends on the top of the mountain buildings and being chased by stewards and things like that. it was it was just a bit of a laugh <laughs> all day really it was really good yeah it was it was one of those games Ollie I think we briefly talked about it you know it was one of our sort of favourite games previous on podcast haven't we and it was it was one of, I think it was a needle in that game wasn't there we we disliked MK Dons and there was that sort of hatred of the sort of what they'd done to Wimbledon as well so it made it more sweeter didn't it but yeah it's good to have Mike on the podcast it's going to be quite quite interesting to get my brother's thoughts I do, do sit by him every game so mm-hmm. we basically talk about football non-stop at the match every week and um, yeah we've never agreed on everything so I'm sure we'll come, I'm sure we'll come to some I interesting you, viewpoints Ollie I think you can say we see exactly the same thing completely differently <laughs> yeah that's very true yeah no it's good to get some different opinions and yeah it's, um, we always get um, yeah, good feedback when we have guests on so now I'm looking forward to it but yeah it's going to be an interesting episode isn't it Ollie because obviously we've been talking about the doldrums and the negativity over Christmas and our little bad run then but there's nothing that we can really say other than total positives about Saturday just gone and the Bradford game isn't there so it's going to actually be really interesting to get stuck into this one because there were some fantastic performances on the whole on the whole from the whole team really and yeah it's gonna be nice to be positive about the town isn't it Ollie we did we did want that and we've got it finally yeah yeah and no, definitely yeah so the last pod covered several defeats um so yeah looking <laughs> forward to having a, a positive one so yeah so um so should we go into it yeah let's get stuck into it Lynch shoots there it is let him go Tommy Lynch has scored for Shrewsbury through the wall past Barry Richardson So, return to winning ways for Shrewsbury Town. It was Shrewsbury Town 1, Bradford City 0, um, which was great to see in front of a, a reasonably packed meadow, 5,500. Um, and last week we were worrying about how we were going to do. Obviously, Bradford on a really good run, um, and Shrewsbury weren't doing very well. And you've picked out a couple of stats, didn't you, Wally, about how well Bradford had actually been doing in the last few weeks. So, yeah, it's just sort of worth bringing them up, really, isn't it? Yeah, so Bradford only lost three all season um, in the league, and th- all three of those were away from home as well. Um, and then going into this game, um, they'd won the last two, and out of the la- and they hadn't been defeated in the last six games. So yeah, yeah Bradford obviously higher up in the league, big club, um, and yeah, we were a bit nervous about this one, weren't we? We were indeed. So yeah, I think that was probably why we didn't predict us to win last week. But the team selection was uh, what I think most people expected from the, the the sort of game at Swindon, where they'd sort of credibly come back into it. The new guys all started, didn't they? All three new players, and we were unchanged from Swindon, which for me made sense. To be honest with you, having, having been to Swindon, I thought that the second half performance and the general performance from everybody probably warranted that. Um, but it was nice to see the youth players on the bench, Anderson, Smith and Jones. And I think before we go into the game, it, I'm not really sure what to make of that. It's either a good sign, uh, I'll get Mike's view on it really, is it a good sign that our youth prospects are on the bench or is it a sign of weakness and that's the reason why we probably need to keep recruiting? What, what way do you look at that really, Mike? Uh, I look at it as Hurst probably not finished his shopping, doesn't fancy many of the players that are still there, so get the young lads on the bench, give them a bit of experience, and then in the next couple of weeks, assuming he's going to fill out the squad so that they will probably drop off again. But I say credit to those lads who worked hard as young footballers at the club and have got themselves on the bench. You can't say fairer than that, I think. No. And I'd rather see them on there than journeyman pros from you know who've just come along for a contract so good on them it's, it's better to get Anderson and Jones on on the bench as strikers than you know letting Silver and Banks Blake sit there all, all the time and doing yeah. nothing so yeah. it is a good sign I think but you're right I think they'll probably drop off the bench won't they Ollie and you noticed that it was quite an interesting way that the team set up Ollie in terms of the tactics and the way that the teams matched up yeah so it was, um, it was quite interesting straight from this off you could see that Bradford were really pushing up so Shrewsbury were lining up in what was our sort of familiar formation at the moment um, 4-4-1 um, with um, Dodds playing the number 10 um, yeah. and Bradford um, played um, Stuart McCall went for a quite a common um, well common formation last season particularly in the last few years in the Premier League with a 4-2-3-1 
um, two um, sitting midfielders, centre midfielders, and but also it's notable that their fullbacks really pushed on, and obviously that was going to be a benefit for us um, later in the game. Yeah, so yeah, it was interesting, interesting sort of matchup in terms of the teams, and that's it's normally something that kind of you know doesn't work for us. But there we go, we, we got we got the win in the end. But um, I think it's probably just worth covering the, the sort of thing before the game, which was huge. We did there um, once a year. We do like a memorial sort of thing for fans that have passed away, and also people we've lost, and it also coincided with the loss of Graham Taylor this week, didn't it? So it was it was really well received wasn't it again I think it's great the football club do it and it was one of those ones where the sort of minute silence turned into a minute's applause didn't it which I, I kind of prefer I don't know about you two I think personally um, in, in terms of remembering fans I think an applause is, is a bit it's nice it sort of celebrates their lives rather than being a sombre thing um, so I'm all for it either way I think as long as we remember them and pay respects I think it's quite nice actually yeah it's great yeah I'd say it's, applause for like a yeah, tragedy is normally quite poignant isn't it but then there's mm. always the chance for that idiot um, to kind of ruin it. Um, so yeah, I think when you're remembering a lot of people, I think it's good to yeah to have an applause and and also especially as obviously Graham um, Taylor left a lot of good memories. I left a, if if anyone likes the podcast, I did listen to a Graham Taylor special on um, six oh six five live oh, yeah. um, when I was in the gym today, and it was really good. There's some really nice stories in there. So yeah, it seems like he was a great guy. Yeah, I, I just talking about Graham Taylor. It's one of those things that I grew up you know in the era that he was sort of England manager. By the time I was coming into my sort of football adolescence, if you will, and I don't really remember the work he'd done before that. And it's been quite interesting this week to see quite how he'd done with the clubs that he managed and, and the work that he'd actually done because I, I hadn't seen any of that footage when, when he was a young manager and, and the way he took Watford all the way up didn't he so yeah it was quite impressive to be fair but um, I just remember the, the England games and, and the, yeah. str- the struggles there which you shouldn't really speak ill of the dead but well, there we go off the back of that I, I went on YouTube and, and sort of pulled up that um, the, the documentary they did about his time as England manager oh, yeah. which, which to be fair showed him in a very good light as a person but perhaps um, not so much <laughs> as a manager at that time but coincidentally I was at the Molyneux on the, the day he passed away which is a Quite str- I was at a supplier event and um, and it was quite a strange atmosphere around there when it came out and they lowered the lowered the flags and stuff so yeah it's a sad thing really. yeah there we go so but it was it, I think it led into the game didn't it the atmosphere was you know there was that big sort of roar at the start wasn't there when the sort of minute silence finished and I think that kind of helped get the game going and the Bradford fans were really loud with their chant and the town town fans were brilliant this week I thought in terms of getting behind the team and it was it was quite a, a sort of quick start wasn't it Ollie? what did you make of the start to the game yeah it's a good start by Shrewsbury. Um, the first 30 minutes and we created a lot of chances um, which is very positive um, especially as we thought that um, we obviously know Knight Percival um, very well yeah. and we knew that um, Bradford were going to be a strong side so yeah to create so many chances in the first half was fantastic so shall I just run through a little bit for those guys that weren't at the game just a bit of a summary of what happened yeah we'll kind of we'll pick up some other things we've, we've probably spotted as well Ollie but yeah go on yeah so the first half we had quite a few chances so obviously Dodds had a, a chance but had a bit of a, a poor shot um, um Ladapo had a good chance one on one after a nice ball from Riley, um, where Dodds played a a one two with him, so that was good. And Rodman had a long um, long range effort as well. Um, And then, yeah, so we were playing really well. Then, obviously, after um, 36 minutes, um, the the captain went off, um, which was obviously Mm. a bit of a surprise at the time. What did you guys make of that? Well, I don't know about Mike, but I don't think we really missed him, did we? In all all seriousness, Um, we we rejigged the defence around and Sadler sat in and played as well as he's been playing. And yeah, I'm sure it's a shame for him to have been injured, but it was quite interesting. There was a very, very muted applause when he went off. He's still not particularly well liked considering everything that's going on. And um, yeah, I think the the defence coped admirably without him and showed that we can actually deal without him as a captain. You know, I think Agogo took on the captain's responsibilities fantastically. And um, yeah, I, I wasn't really too worried about it, to be honest with you. I thought the the substitution that Hurst made actually pleased me quite a lot because uh, it would have been quite easy to throw on another defender and stick with the game plan that they'd set up with. Um, but the fact that they brought on an attacking player who really influenced the game as soon as he got on, O'Brien, mm. and, um, and and sort of shuffled the pack at the back because they had confidence they could deal with Bradford. And I, th- I thought it was really good that he kept on the front foot and kept the, the momentum in the attack, really. Yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely positive and also just kind of worth saying in that kind of that minute and that kind of period of the game up to the, the goal who was scored on the 30, uh, 41st minute um, was, yeah, that they didn't really have any chances, did they? It was all Shrewsbury. Um, so they had quite a bit of possession and they're yeah. clearly good football inside. But in terms of actually um, putting um, Luke Viler under any pressure, um, it didn't really materialise. No, they they had a lot of the ball. You're right, and, it, and we played a, probably our best football on the counter attack, which is a bit strange at home. But you know, as I say, they were been slightly better than us this season, and we're still struggling to get out of some poor form. So maybe expect that. But it had Hurst had them playing that counter attack pretty nicely, and we'll talk about the players in a little bit more detail. But with Ladapo up front, 
we can make the direct comparison with Tony about the fact that he offered a much better target and his hold-up play was much better. And also, he's got some really quick feet and some skills as well. So, you know, Tony might end up being a more rounded striker down the line. You never know. But to me, Ladipo's just as good or is going to end up having just as good a career on the, on the view of that one game. Um, and that enables us to play on the break much better because Dodds was getting up with him. O'Brien, when he came on, was getting up with him. And, and even the other the midfielders were actually getting up and we were going as a unit. Whereas with Tony, we've too little... We had too little of that. We had maybe one or two of us trying to get forward on the counter-attack. So I certainly think Ladipo was a big part of the reason why we look so good on the break. Yeah, Ladipo definitely um, had a lot of strength into it. He was very good at um, holding the ball off and shielding the ball from the defenders. And yeah, I think he you can see why um, why Hurst has brought him in. You know, if you're going to have wingers, um, you're going to need a striker who's going to bring them into play, especially when you play with one striker. So yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big lad. And um, yeah, definitely the... Um, We've seen an improvement in height, strength, and pace um, with the three new players. Yeah, yeah just for me on on uh, on Ladipo, just that he stood up, he didn't fall over. Um, <laughs> having a man standing up and holding on to the ball means that people can get up with him. Tony throwing himself on the floor, it doesn't really help you build anything. So, just for me, that that was a big thing to notice that the ball just stuck with him a lot more. Do you think also when you've got a striker like him and you think there's a good chance he's going to keep the ball, um, and I'm sure you know professionals just still carry on running, but you, I'm sure it makes the other midfielders more inclined to run forward, you know, to make those runs because you think you know he's not going to go down easily or he's not going to be brushed off the ball. So yeah, I think it kind of encourages players around him to to go to make more runs because because he has that got like more strength. Yeah, certainly those defensive-minded midfielders like Agogo and and um, and Deegan, they definitely got forward more because they felt there was probably more in it for them whereas when you think the ball's going to come back why would you get out of that defensive position and create an opportunity for the opposition to go into better just to stick in there and 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 see what the next attack brings probably so yeah definitely I'd, I'd say there's probably a lot in that yeah, and I, I give Dodds some credit as well, Ollie, as well. You know, I've been slightly harsh on Dodds over the season because he has failed to produce a lot, you know, over the piece. But he had an incredibly good game um, getting up with Lepado and, and making sure he was that foil. You know, we were still only playing one up front, but he was certainly the most forthright and, and attacking of them. And I thought he had a good game as well, to be honest with you. I will talk about Ladipo and say that he had stepovers, Ollie. You know, big fan of stepovers. I am in, on this podcast. You know, we lost Granderson. My heart still my heart still cries every night for the loss of his stepovers. But Ladipo had some stepovers. There was one little run where he forward and kind of did a few little step overs while he was going to attack a player I thought that's, that's it that's the sort of player we've been you know asking for on the podcast isn't it an exciting player that gets people yeah. off, off the off the off the pitch off their seat and, and clapping so yeah step overs return I'm happy with that yeah he's definitely got some pace about him yeah he's definitely got that um attacking instinct and yeah later in the game obviously he showed those skills a bit more but um yeah, no, it was very encouraging. So, should we go through the goal and then um, kind of how that built up? Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. What did you? I just going to ask you, what did you think about Hurst being on the touchline this week? Whereas you know he said traditionally in his management career he likes to be in the press box or having a good look at it from the top, and now on Saturday he started from the from the side of the pitch, you know, from the start of the game, which was quite interesting because they're not he does that away from home every now and again. But I think that's the first time he's done it at home, and just whether he's decided that you know it's not a big enough stadium to get a good view of the whole pitch, and he just <laughs> might as well be on the touchline. I don't know, but. It's just interesting to see him down there, wasn't it? Directing things because I think he he knew after that Fleetwood loss and how important it was to get a win on Saturday, and maybe he just wanted to have that that micromanagement control from the from the off this week. Maybe I don't know. I think that he probably yeah just wants to make himself visible to the players to be able to get in their ears a bit and possibly just keep reinforcing the messages that they try and pass on in training because maybe when he's up in the stand that they don't they sort of switch off or he, sometimes he says they're not doing what we tell them to do so you know he's probably in there just to reinforce those messages and, and make sure whenever they look over the bench he's there telling them what to do and they know that he's on top of it really yeah especially with the three new players as well maybe that played mm. a part in making sure that they get the messages early doors Ollie so yeah yeah I mean, just I just thought it was an interesting point really but um yeah go on to the goal I mean <clears throat> it was it was interesting because Lepado had that chance earlier on didn't he where Dodds put him in they did a little nice one little two one two um and I, I thought Ladipo maybe could have done better with that but obviously the keeper made a good save but you know the the, the goal he actually got you know <laughs> he couldn't really miss it could he but it was a nice bit of play by the two of them to go into it so yeah go, just give a brief description of it Ollie. yeah so um so Toto um Nisala um um bumped the ball forward um and then um, <laughs> the, obviously as he said at the start of the pod um Bradford um played a very attacking formation um, and then in less two mm. defenders back. Um, but fortunately for us, um, their defender slipped. And obviously we're quite familiar with players slipping on our pitch. Um, which yeah, it was NKP, wasn't it? Yeah, so that laid, that gave um, Dodds um, the chance to run forward. Um, so Dodds ran um, the, pretty much the length of the, uh, half the length of the pitch. 
Um, and then the spare um, Bradford defender came over towards him. And then this is where Dodds made a bit of a mistake in my eyes. He, he shot. Yeah. And the keeper saved and, and parried it, but only parried it to, to Lapado, uh, who shot at home. So, yeah, Brods, Dodds should have passed to him. But, um, yeah, it was a nice finish. And, um, yeah, also, um, it's you know, we go to the football to be entertained. Um and yeah, it was good to see him have a bit of a fun celebration in front of Bot Nineteen. Yeah, was. So that was good to see. Yeah, I like the I like to see the the smile on the on his face when he scored. We don't see enough footballers down at the town who seem to enjoy what they do for a living, and he seemed to really enthuse with it. And and when he came over, he really started geeing the crowd up, and and you know, big smiles at, at Bot Nineteen, and that got the crowd going again. And from from the kickoff again, we were really up for it again. So um, it was nice to see somebody who looked like he enjoyed playing for Shrewsbury Town, whether on loan or on contract. To be honest. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it was it was good to see, and it's the sort of thing that you know gets you to be a cult hero. And, and every club needs someone like that, don't they? So, um, yeah, the, the goal the goal was yeah, as you just described, Dolly. I think we, we me and Mike were talking just before the podcast about whether Lapado had not really given Dodds the option, and that's why Dodds had shot. But when you look back on the replay, Lapado had actually made a, a really good run and had got into enough space to, to be yeah. given the ball to cipher it in from a bit further out. So, I agree with you. It was a bit of a mistake from Dodds. We got away with it, but about time we had the ball spin to our way. Luckily, isn't it? So the, so that we can just have a tap in because we haven't had many of them in the last few weeks so yeah 1-0 up and then the meadow was actually buzzing for the first time in a long time and, and everyone was pretty confident and basically there wasn't really anything else happened on the way up to half time was it really? No no we kind of yeah, ended the half on a high and it was also nice after the last few games to have a um, yeah the crowd certainly um, made the players um, aware of their um, yeah how pleased we were because yeah it was a good performance yes. and dominated the game um, kept them out um, and yeah, it was a, a good first half performance. It was really, really encouraging. When we say we're going to talk about all three of the new boys in the context of the game, it's probably worth bringing up um, Rodman now because he was one of the sort of more energetic players in the in the first half and into the second half. What you know, I think it's your viewing of Rodman for the first time. You and Mike is not only what did you two make of him? Obviously, I saw him last week, but uh, what were your initial thoughts of him? I thought he was energetic, and I thought he worked hard for the team. Um, probably snatched at a few last. You know, through balls and and little chances he had to 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 make an opening, possibly just still settling to the team and, and being trying to impress at a new club. Hopefully that'll settle down because he did get uh, the ball in some neat areas and sort of he could take two touches and nip out from between a couple of players and and get into an opportunity. So it's just if he polishes up that final ball, he'll be quite effective, I think. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was an improvement on um, the, his performance at Swindon. Um, he obviously did all right mm. at Swindon. He didn't really set the world alight, did he? Yeah, I was thinking I was sitting next to you, mate. Um, <laughs> and just, did... yeah. I've erased that game from my memory already, Ollie. So, um, so yeah, I thought he was better. And I guess um, just think of that to you about uh, Mike's comment about the passing. There was quite a lot of. I think we could have created even more chances. Uh, okay, we are League One, and we do accept that you know the pass completion and the decisions are not going to be you know world class. But I think um, you know one thing we've definitely seen from Hurst is the players are getting more confident, being more direct, um, not long ball direct. I mean, in terms of obviously going forward and running at players. So yeah, it was really encouraging to see him confident enough to run with the ball, um, yeah. and that obviously makes us less predictable going forward. And yeah, just I was just thinking, yeah, a few more passes and a bit bit more accuracy in the passing, which will obviously come out. As the players get more used to each other, but um, yeah, definitely the and the new players stood out. Yeah, I, I think so. And then so obviously, yeah, we went into half time, having been heartily applauded off by the Meadow faithful. Um, and then uh, yeah, into the second half, it was a bit of a slower start to the second half than the first. I thought in Bradford kind of got a bit more of the ball, and we we did revert back to sort of a defensive shape sometimes. Um, but. Yeah, it, it was it was a pretty slow start, and and it was but but it was still quite an open game. You know, there was a lot of lot of exchanges of ball between each other, and Shrewsbury still maintained that committed approach and and stuck to the task manfully. So, it was one of those halves, wasn't it, where we just kept thinking Bradford are going to score because we were all pessimistic, and Town just did what they needed to do, didn't they, the whole way through? Yeah, um, I I kept saying to to Glenn and the lads that we sit by, we haven't got. 30 minutes of defending us we haven't got 20 minutes of defending us we haven't got 10 minutes and they went enough um, but we we did it and they really struggled to open us up uh, the only time we really struggled was when they brought the the, the big lad the number 9 up front on Yeah, uh, he created a bit more of a challenge but I was surprised they didn't start with him because we conceded so many goals from crosses and corners yeah we did why would you not have that massive target on there to hit for 90 minutes something's going to happen um, and so I think probably their manager got it wrong by not starting him but um, thankfully he didn't so that was good for me yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because they had that number seven. We've not talked about him yet. For, I can't remember what his name was now. For Marshall. Bradford. In the first in the first half, he he did give Sadler a bit of a torrid time until Sadler went in and, and played more centrally. Um, and he looked like he was going to be the key to unlocking us. And I thought he really drifted out of the game in the mm. second half. I thought Massively. for for you know 
a lot of fans can be quite critical of Brown, but he actually did a good job on him. And then eventually you noticed him switching wings. He wasn't comfortable going up against Brown. He didn't get much joy out of um, Riley in the end. And he, he was quite influential every now and again. But I thought we did a really good job to shut down what looked to be quite a threatening player. We marshalled him well. Well done, Mike. Yeah, good <laughs> Yeah, I have no, this every week when I sit by Molly. <laughs> he um he was good and yeah they had quite a few good players didn't they so um so Law in central midfield for them and yeah. um, Colin as well um had were both clearly good footballers um Colin was the number fourteen the the, the shorter lad with Brown he was a good player as well so yeah you could clearly see that they had some, you know some quality in their team and I quite liked their striker as well um I actually felt when um um Elhad went off that. He was struggling to keep with the pace of the striker, and he was quite good um, with his feet yeah. and turned um, El Habd a few times. So that was, yeah, in some ways, I was quite positive to see Sadler come in central midfield because, yeah, while they lack height, he lacks height. Um, I say he's a lot quicker, and he's and he's got better. He's better at jockeying um, opposition strikers. So, no, I thought, um, yeah, I thought they did a good job at the back, but also um, not. If I can't even think of a. Their, their number nineteen striker actually having a shot. No, they, they they only real. I mean, the best chances they probably had were the sort of they had four free kicks in the game, didn't they? All from a yeah. fo- pretty much five yard space outside the box, and they wasted all four of them. I think the last one there was one Lutwiler saved top corner, which was probably the best chance they had the whole of the second half. Yeah. Um, and Lutwiler was pretty comfortable getting over there. He looked like he had plenty of time to get over and push it away. Um, there was people moaning around us. Why hasn't he caught it? Yeah, it was a bit of a theatrical <laughs> punch, but um, he kept it out. I guess that's the main thing. Yeah, but then they had a few scrappy moments. And again, we're sort of rushing through this half, but they, they, there was a sort of mad three or four minutes in the last three minutes of the game where the ball was pinging around in our box. I think they had one, I think it was that Nicky Law had a big shot that got blocked by, I think it was Sadler or one of the defenders, and then they had another shot off that, and then they t- ticked it into the back post, and Lutz came out and cleared it away. So you were always going to have to ride you like a little bit in those sort of games. I think yeah. I, I was just watching the Man United-Liverpool game today, and obviously at the end of that game, it just completely opened up, and Liverpool had a chance, Man United had a chance. It was a little bit like that, because then we went down the other end, and Sean Wally should have won it for all yeah. sense and purposes. Oh, and I know that you were frustrated with that finish, Mike, weren't you? That was, I mean... He's finished quite a lot, you know, late in the game, coming on, scoring, and you you bank on him to to score that because it's really in Wally time, isn't it? When he really turns up and produces, mm. and he just he just got the shape of his foot wrong, and you know, nine times out of ten he pops that away. But I looked at it on the highlights today, and I I watch it again. I still can't believe he's not scored it. To be honest, yeah. it, it was one of those chances, but luckily it didn't come back to bite us. So we can let him off this time, I think. Yeah, sorry, Mike, to do this to you on the first pod, but Go I, on. I, I just don't get this thing about Wally. Like um, what? And this like oh, because, he's... because he's he's only scored one goal all season. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he scored a few last season, so I'm still rem- yeah, know, I'm still I, I remembering see... that as well. But yeah, it was a f- terrible finish. Um, but yeah, in terms yeah. of um, in terms of um, explaining the goal, maybe I'll come back onto my point about Wally afterwards because I just don't I don't get I I don't see no, why it's... he's getting so many chants about him. Yeah. We, we said that at the match, me and Mike, it's like of all the players on the pitch, like we'd been playing well, you know, there's loads of players I could against, but for some reason we, we started just chanting for one player that came on as a substitute that's not really performed all that well in this season. It is a bit weird, isn't it, when we haven't got a chant for a go-go who puts yeah. his body on the line, or we haven't got a chant for... For dogs, you know, score our top goal scorer. Yeah, exactly, that's, it's a bit I was, weird. I was going to say, you, you've got these guys out there churning out good effort for 90 minutes, like a go-go is a prime example. He puts his body on the line every week and he never stops running. And he must be stood there thinking, you know, <laughs> Wally comes on for five minutes and, and, you know, beats a couple of men with a run and he gets chanted for for 45. Gets... You know, it, it doesn't really get it for me. Um, but I think I'm probably a big fan of a go-go. So, you know, I'm a bit biased maybe. It, it also, Ollie, it's interesting because um, we, we were saying this at the game and, and we think it's probably just for the fact that Wally scans into that chant, you know, the don't, please <laughs> yeah. don't take me home chant, which is what they do yeah. to the tune of. I think it's just because the fact his name scans in that chant, they yeah. do it. So You can get far as a footballer if your name rhymes, I think. <laughs> exactly. So, But I thought Wally, and, and, you know, one, one negative of it, he did all right when he came on, but he was just very wasteful. That, that one chance was a golden chance. He also hammered one over the bar when we had options either side of him. And I think he knows Rodman's here now. It just looked a little bit like you could be trying that extra bit hard to try and, you know, keep keep your place in the team because you know you've got competition yeah. now. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully he'll be keep coming and doing the thing we want, which is coming off the bench and, and being an impact player. But I, I don't think he's going to be starting ahead of Rodman anytime soon. So, yeah, there we go. I don't get it either, Ollie. Yeah, he was quite poor um, and he's been, and I don't, yeah, he's been injured all the time. So, yeah, he's not really um, a favourite of mine because he's been, he spent, he has hardly played for sure since he's been here. So he's an, He's just been spent most of the time in um, in Skitty's office, so um, yeah, mm. not very impressed with him. But hopefully he'll stay fit and hopefully he'll start performing. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, he's one of the players we let go. Just in his defence, I would say he's one of the only players that we've had 
over the last maybe 18 months who can get the ball and run at people and beat them and start creating havoc in the opposition's box and that gets people off their feet and that gets people excited yeah. so I think that you you know when we're sat there and we're passing the ball sideways and backwards sometimes I'm screaming out for him to come on because yeah, yeah. he feels like the only person who's going to really make anything exciting happen sometimes mm, that's true that is true but anyway he, he, he was there you just mentioned Dodds and your favourite player Ollie actually he got injured didn't he because um, <laughs> it was into the second half when he, he sort of went down it didn't look like he'd sort of clashed into anyone not from the highlights I saw um, and all we looked to was him sitting on the floor and suddenly he's throwing his shin pads away so that wasn't very good to see because I would say that he's probably had a little bit of a pick up in form and was, was great again on Saturday so hopefully if the, the two of the guys that went off injured you'd want dogs back sooner than El Abd I reckon yeah definitely and um, yeah we are kind of jumping away from the rest of the second half but um, probably just <laughs> worth mentioning um, about those so yeah so Gogo went off with a groin injury as a precaution and Dodds said he felt his calf so that's why he went off yeah um, and interestingly um, the manager was commenting that the um, that obviously we don't have a proper training ground yet um, and it is a bit crap not yeah. having a proper training ground so and, and I'm all for as I said on the podcast several times I'm very much in favour of having a professional training ground and yeah he's um, the manager was saying that um, he thinks the poor, poor surface there um, has contributed mm. some of these muscle injuries. Um, so, yeah, let's hopefully um, the training ground is ready as soon as possible. Yeah, it didn't didn't sound like he was overly enamoured with the pitch they've been playing on for their training this week, did he? And obviously it's been a pretty tough week, hasn't it, with the, the frosts and the snow that we had. And obviously that can have an effect on, you know, it's, it's only grass at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, that new training ground can't be finished soon enough, but that quite knows what's going on. It's gone a bit quiet, hasn't it, on the, on the progress we're making there. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. So probably just worth going back to that chance. So, um, yeah, in terms of um, strikers running and a few stepovers, um, Ladapo had that um, that run, didn't he, from the left flank? Yeah. Um, went past a man, um, put a delightful ball into the box um, to the back of yeah, the six-yard line, yeah. um, and then Wally fluffed his lines. Um, I, asked, I asked my mate next to me, Phil, um, whether he could have controlled the ball. Do you think he had time to control the ball? Do you think he was right to go first time? Probably. He could probably could have controlled the ball, couldn't he? And just, just popped it home, really, in any way he wanted to go. It was weird. He went right across the keeper, and I know the keeper had left a big gap there, but he was close enough in to just pop it in front post if he was confident of it. He missed it, Ollie. You know, there we go. <clears throat> we could have closed the game out there. As it as it turned out, they had a few more chances, didn't they, in, in the end of the game, and it, it actually put a bit of focus on one of the other new players, which was uh, old Toto at the back, and we haven't talked about him in any depth yet, but he made two or three really good tackles in the box, didn't he, lads? Yeah. You know, committed tackles where if he got it wrong, like he, you know, we thought he did last week, but obviously didn't. But if he got it wrong, it would have been penalties, and it might have been more red cards. And the, the lad's not been knocked by his confidence for getting that <laughs> overturned red card. He still went flying into a few full-blooded challenges in the box, and it was it was great seeing again. It, tackles like that get you up and off your seat just as much as a run from you know Ladapo or any of the attacking players. Yeah. I, I love to see committed tackles like that, and it, he was good the whole game. I can see why he has a bit of a history of. Getting sent off because he really does gamble sometimes in his own box, say, and, and you know, but he trusts his pace and he trusts his reading of the ball. Um, and I think that just seeing somebody committed in the tackle and somebody who really wanted to fight for 90 minutes again, we've not really seen it. So I, I feel like he's going to be a real positive in the squad and he seems like he backs himself, which is great. Yeah, my favourite moment for him was. Um... Um, me and Mike, obviously, as defenders uh, from our, our, our football <laughs> career, as we should call it. A frustrated it in central midfielder, Ollie, I was. <laughs> um, we, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it when he did that run back and he basically just um, caught up with their um, their striker and basically just used his strength just to outmuscle him and the ball went, yeah. went for a Oh, that was kick. brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, it was, and he just. We haven't had that for so long for a defender who's got a bit of pace. Well, we were all sat there saying if if Alab had tried that, he'd probably fallen over and given the ball away. So yeah, I know what you're saying. It was a really just a smart bit of play, wasn't it? Really? No, he was he was class the whole game, wasn't he? That that real that real strength was the biggest attribute because that really came to the fore when they did do the Bradford put a big <laughs> up front approach, which was to unsettle us a little bit. And then um, they obviously brought on Hanson, didn't they? In the last sort of was it 20 minutes or 15 minutes? And then they brought another big lad on just after that for about five minutes to go. And they really wanted to put the Shrewsbury Town defenders under pressure. And I thought Sadler did his usual thing. He won all his headers and he was competent when the ball fell to his feet. But Nisala really got hold of Hanson, who yeah. is a tricky customer at this level and has scored goals against bigger clubs than Shrewsbury. And I, th- I thought to, to, ma- to marshal someone as good as Hanson um, out of a game I thought was really impressive. It was probably the, the, the thing that proved to me that we might have found a, a little diamond in the rough here. Hurst might have brought another one of his yeah. you know, reputedly... Grimsby used to bring in these diamonds in the rough and shine them up and sell them on for a bit of money and, and also do a job for the club. So, you know, we're, we're judging after two games, but all three of them, you can't you can't complain about the three new players at all. They were all they were all absolutely stand out on Saturday. I, I would just say as well, lads, in 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 terms of players, I mean, we've talked about the three new lads and briefly about Dodds and and 
and some of the other players. But was there who you know we haven't really talked about some of the other lads, and we should really because they all had good games. Yeah. Who, who are sort of the unsung heroes for you in the game, Ollie and, and Mike? Who who stood out for you, but maybe they still don't get the credit that they deserve. Um, well, I think he's getting more credit. A go-go every week for me is, is our standout player, really. I think that the work that he gets through, um, I can't say enough good things about him. Sometimes when we walk away and it's been an awful performance, the only thing you can really hang your hat on is him. So he was great. I think that um, Junior Brown got through a lot of work as well. Um, and then, uh, like you say, Matt Sadler did brilliantly from switching from fullback to centre-half. That is a difficult thing to do mid-game, and, and he did it, and he didn't seem to miss a beat either. So um, those three, again, for me, of the existing players were... They've probably been our most consistent players all season and, and they proved again why that is, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. I think O'Brien was solid when he came on. Um he was yeah, he was really good. he was good. I think his passing was good. I think he was he was definitely um really up for up for the game. Um and he didn't shirk um, any responsibility and he definitely put um his body on the line. So yeah, I think obviously bringing in those extra players, um kind of going back to your your point earlier, Mike, about in terms of Wally's, you know, being someone who could run, it just kind of showed how lacking we were in those positions um so yeah to get those players in and to see that um so no it's really encouraging and yeah it's um it was positive and it, you know when we prepare for the pod it was nice to actually have a, have a think about and there were several options for our top three so then no it was good and yeah. i don't know so glenn who 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 was who stood out for you who was apart from the new guys uh, and who we've said is anyone else you worth some praise do you think yeah i think we've kind of covered all the standout players haven't we but it's just worth saying that you know you know we haven't talked about deegan all that much or riley or even lutweiler and you, you couldn't have a complaint about the game that they put in you know no. lutweiler made a good save from the corner and did well enough with his punching clear and never really looked under pressure riley just had a, a solid right back performance as solid as, as a right yeah. back performance as you can have some of his delivery was better than it has been as well so that was yeah. positive and and deegs just ran his socks off as the same as a, a go-go probably not quite as much drive this week he probably was the deeper of the two of them um so you know there isn't any of lads that, that played you can really put a mark at other than you know briefly mentioned Wally who was a little bit under, under underwhelming when he came on but for the 11 that started and, and you know the rest of the lads great performance uh, I just worth asking you two really can you think of a, of a better performance at home this season I probably I'm going to say I can't I think that was the best home performance but <laughs> definitely not no but you know even in League One over the, the, the games that we've had we've, we've not had many good comfortable enjoyable exciting attacking football wins have we and that's a, it's quite rare to get something like that for, for me I came away from the game and as well as we did play I came away with a little bit of um, a slight touch of realism as I think that we caught Bradford on a very bad day <laughs> and I don't think that we particularly played what you would say a um, high tempo uh, high press attacking football like in a, in a brilliant sense we didn't put together a lot of brilliant long stringing passing moves no. I just think that we worked our socks off and we worked harder than Bradford and I think where we were two months ago, that level of work rate is absolutely brilliant. And I think if that continues, then the, the performance will lift. But um, yeah, I'm not going to get too carried away with yesterday. It was it was hard working and in parts we played well, I think, more than anything. Yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. I'd say, um, and it's, it's, it's all, that was also echoed by um, Stuart McCall's comments after the game. Um, he said, um, um, got to give um, them credits. Obviously, he's talking about Shrewsbury there as they fought for the lives and the crowd were quite behind them. Um, yeah. But he did say that... Um, um, we were bang average side um, today, um, and they were pretty poor, weren't they? But again, you know, did we also contribute to them being poor? Did we work hard? Yeah. And did we keep them out? So yeah, mm, definitely agree with what you say, Mike. They weren't as good, and they probably could have played better. Um, but um, yeah, I think it, going back to Glenn's point, I, I think it probably was one of the best performances at home this season, yeah. especially mm. given the. Um, I think the Bristol Rovers game was like a. When we won that, was it Bristol Rovers at home? When, when, right yeah, at the yeah, start yeah. of Hearst era, yeah. When we beat them two two nil, um, that was was it that game? Was it no? Sorry, the Oxford game when we won two nil at home. Um, yeah, Bristol Rovers was a really, couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so when we beat Oxford two nil at home, that was a fantastic result. But that was really on in in Hearst era. So yeah, I, yeah, think I missed this, that this game. Yeah, I wasn't there either. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember you missed that one, Glenn, because um, yeah. yeah, I was really super. Um, I was still, I was super optimistic after that game, and you were still <laughs> quite depressed. Or I was. I, th- I feel like Mike's brought us all down with his. Uh, I'm not getting carried away. Let's just get carried away. No. Just, for one, just <laughs> one podcast. I've been a huge fan too long to get that carried away. <laughs> no, it's a completely good to have a term of reason, and I think the realism came into stark comparison in terms of us not getting too carried away because we all left the meadow thinking we've won, looked at the other scores, and then found we dropped down a place and we're back there in the relegation yeah. zone, which was a bit, um, bit unfair. Fair, really, wasn't it? Considering how much work they put in to end up back in the relegation zone, but in all seriousness, it was a vital win because of the way the other results went. So, you know, 
I think, you know, as, as it goes for this podcast and, and for the town season, cracking weekend, um, good result. I think we'll probably cover that game there. We'll just go over our top threes, really, Ollie. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. So, um, so do you guys want to go first? Yeah, I've got all of ours written down here, and it's interesting. All three of us have gone for exactly the same three players in a completely different combination of, of order. So, yeah, I went for a go-go number one. I thought he put the absolute shift in. Uh, I absolutely the, the bit I enjoyed about the game the most, other than, him, other than old Lapado dancing, was there was a moment in the second half where um, a go-go got the ball on the edge of the box he, he just nicked it away from a defender before they could have a shot and he just did a lung busting run forward down the wing in front of the West Stand and it really got the West Stand going everyone was like yeah good lad and he just laid it off comfortably and then we went on another attack and I thought that just epitomises the guy I really 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 think we should be I know Hurst doesn't want to offer contracts and it can unsettle players and, and stuff like that but if we lose him in the summer whether in League 1 or 2 it's an NKP for me we shouldn't, we shouldn't be losing players like that Full stop. So he's great. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. I went for Toto Nasala at the back for number two for the same reason you guys mentioned. Just thought he was committed in the tackle, solid, strong, and gave us an aerial option to, to sort of head the ball away, which we've not had for a while. And then I went for Freddie Lapado. I, I thought he was good. You know, the goal he couldn't miss, um, and I think there might be more to come for him, but it was just great to see a smile on his face, and he's off the mark. So that always helps for strikers. Yeah, my top three were I went for a go go first because I feel like I'm fanboying a bit now, but I just think he's, <laughs> he's fantastic, and the work he does is great for the team, and he lead. When um, Elabs went off, he led by example as well. Um, I picked Lapado second. Ladapo, I've not really got his name yet. Um, <laughs> I picked him second because we wouldn't have won the game without his goal, and he grew into it quite well. And he looks like he's going to be quite effective for us, I think. And after watching Tony for the last few months, I'm, I'm really pleased to see him <laughs> turn up. And um, I went for Toto third because he just held us together at the back, you know, with Elab going off, and he won pretty much everything he went in for on the day. So um, yeah, a nice, it's a nice quality to have to try and pick three out of that this mm. weekend. Yeah, and I went for um, um, Ladapo um, in terms of um, his. Yeah, I thought he was solid. Um, I thought he was he was the centre point for the all attacking performances. And uh, who yeah. actually chooses the man of match officially? Is it is it is it the brawn is it the brawn sandwich brigade at the meadow who it's actually the, the official man? The people in the sovereign club. Yeah. Yeah. So so I don't know whether that's a good thing. I agree with them or not. Or whether they're yeah. some football experts in there, but um, yeah, I went. You're going over first. to the East End next week, are you, Wally? Yeah, <laughs> we've seen the last of you now. Now I don't want to go on the East End. You get your sun in your eyes, don't you? Uh, true, yeah. If it is ever sunny, um, and then <laughs> so, yeah, so I went through um, for Nisala um, second, and then a go go because a go go a go go must be getting top of our um, our. Um, top three award Glenn for the end of the season because he he's is, just solid yeah. and he just puts an effort in and I like him as a captain because he kind of leads he's the captain that leads for example um, he's vocal sometimes as well so no um, I think we're yeah. all um, part of the um, um, go-go fan club definitely definitely yeah so yeah I, I say it's interesting that we all went for all three in slightly different order but uh, I think that kind of shows you how, how those three stood out again um and yeah, and so you've got you've just went through a few of Paul Hurst's and, and Stuart McCall's comments, didn't you? I know you like to run through them. Any other things that you picked up from the post match stuff? Um, yeah, he was obviously um, he said he was delighted, uh, but it's a shame we've obviously gone back into the relegation zone. Um, he also commented <laughs> on a go go um, that, and he, he was joking, saying that Stuart Dunn must have a good eye because he thought um, a go go was good, but you know, as Hurst does, he doesn't like to comment too much on one player. Yeah, he's very much about the team, isn't he? When he talks in pro- yeah. post match, he hates singling anyone out, which is which is great, but. Um, even he wanted to sort of single a go out, so I think he was quite happy with the way the question was framed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you talked, obviously, we've already spoken already about the two injuries. Um, and he also said that, um, interestingly, in terms of gossip moving on, um, he also said he's spoken to two players. But obviously, you never know what's going to happen. Um, until players did you, signed did, the dotted line. It was interesting. I couldn't think this, but he said in the post-match interview that one of the players might be coming here, but something happened at the club on Saturday. Hmm. He saw he saw the scores and something had happened at the club that might change that situation. Yeah, so, so I was wondering whether it was like a club like Sunderland because they lost 3-0. We might have been trying to get a guy on loan from Sunderland right, and obviously yeah. Moyes might now lose his job maybe <laughs> and the, the, the situation <laughs> might change. So I was looking around to see which clubs got hammered on Saturday. Yeah. Could be Peterborough. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I will, yeah, it's funny you say that again because you're looking at the Premier League and I was looking at League One. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at the conference. Oh, we might not get George Waring. Like, well, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if Stoke did. But there we go. So it, it'd be interesting, as I say. We'll come on to transfers in a minute. We're just going to have a quick chat about what we think we need yeah. as well. But um, yeah, I mean, was there anything else that Stuart McCall said? I, I didn't catch his interview. No, no. I, I covered most of his points earlier on in the, in the, in the pod. Sweet. There we go. So happy days. Everyone went away happy uh, into the cold, windy, rainy night. But nothing for the first time. One of the first times this in the last few weeks, we were quite happy about that. So, yeah, a win, Ollie. We've finally had some positivity. So I think we'll move on to stand-up news now, yeah, mate. Shrewsbury were level by the break. Austin Barkley with the final touch from Lee Steele's fierce cross. 
So welcome to obviously move now into Salop News. Um, and um, probably just worth talking about um, Anderson and coming back from loan. So I know there's obviously been a bit of debate within Shrewsbury fans about his about him coming back, and he, he obviously has done really well. I think scoring 18 goals in a short period of time in any level is fantastic, especially given he's a young lad and he went to play mm. the man's game. Um, but yeah, I don't know, what, what do you guys think about that? I think we've, we've brought him back just as, a, as as cover, really, haven't we? Without you know not knowing what strikers we're going to get in in the transfer window, you might as well recall him now. You know, if he gets a couple of games over January and, and towards the end of the window, that's fine. If we end up signing a couple of strikers and he's not he's not needed and he continues football development elsewhere, maybe slightly higher up the pyramid, it, it suits all parties, doesn't it? And I I think it was great to have him on the bench. I I think that Jones or Anderson would have probably got a run out in a game where we were two or three nil up. I think yeah. that it would have been great to give him a go. I think he probably would have put Anderson on purely for the form that he's had while he's away. So. So it's great to see him back involved at the club and actually involved in the first team. Um, and I think there's probably a lot to come from him. Obviously, we haven't seen much of him, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him develop as a Shrewsbury Town player. Yeah, I've never seen him play. Um, I don't really know much about him, but I think it's probably just a case of Hurst getting somebody back in who's in form, no matter what level they're at. Yeah. Have a look at him, get him involved in the matchday squad, see how he reacts, really. I don't suppose for a second he's going to be on the bench for the rest of the season, but it can only help his development. If he goes out on loan again, You know, he's had that taste of the first team to come back to, so I think it's really positive, actually. Yeah, I saw I saw him in a pre-season friendly. Um, I think it was at Solihull Moors, and he was yeah very attacking. and be interested to see where he played. Uh, maybe we'll have to do some digging and see where he played at Hales Owen. Um, he obviously must have played in a, in a attacking position I thought he was a winger but maybe he's a striker but no very positive and yeah he's like the sort of striker that comes in cuts in off the wing so he, inside you know, he'll forward. play on the sort of inside forward is exactly what it would be in football manager <laughs> <That's old fashioned, laughs> <that. laughs> yeah. yeah. is there any half is there any half backs playing yeah. um, so yeah no, I, I think we'll, we'll definitely see him develop and you know as, as players get older they tend to mould into the sort of one position they can play you can play across the front you know sort of line can't you as a young lad with a bit of pace you can kind of yeah. attack players with a, with a down the wing or you can be an inside forward you can play right up front and play on the last man so mm. he'll obviously develop his game as he comes on so it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does end up but just having three youth prospects on the bench on Saturday was great I thought so yeah there we go so I think the good news the big news and the good news last week Ollie was um, Toto's suspension getting overturned from Swindon and obviously we were there Ollie and talked in depth about the nonsense last week and once again we've been and we've actually had someone you know give us a full on apology and overturn the uh, decision so that was completely right wasn't it there was no other way that they couldn't turn it over looking at the highlights yeah totally agree um, what did you obviously you um, weren't at the game uh, Mike you didn't come to the Swindon game what did you make of that when you saw it on the highlights um, yeah he quite clearly wins the ball I didn't really see what the debate was um, <laughs> it was reminiscent of the one that, at the weekend where he's sort of racing back and sort of gambles a bit but you know he clearly gets to on the ball the ball changes direction the way he was tackling so yeah it's just the typical standard of referee and we get really and it frustrates you week in week out but it's good that it's been overturned because I thought four games as well was a bit strong Harsh, yeah. when it was a bit of a dubious decision to start with so I'm glad it's cleared up uh, and the way he played at the weekend I'm glad he wasn't missing to be honest so yeah good yeah so that's good so obviously obviously January transfer window is is, is in, in full flow um, obviously there's a few things going on in the Premier League and obviously Costa and stuff like that so at least we haven't got to listen to that nonsense but um, in terms of yeah so, so what, what what's your thoughts on, on January transfer Glenn? I, I still just briefly mentioned it with Anderson really I think for me it's now most important that we get Freddie Lapado some help as much as AJ Leach Smith might get fit one day Ollie it, he also might not on current form he might never play for us again um, <laughs> yeah. so you know I think we do need at least one experienced striker I think someone who's in mid-twenties uh, late-twenties sorry and maybe pushing their thirties someone that can just come in and, and give those young lads a little bit of Experience, if that if that's yep. the same, is that is the right word? Some, maybe a striker like that. Maybe there's not too many of them mucking around, but maybe that's what Hurst's looking for. And then I also think maybe you know another another striker maybe to to make it a four. But as we only ever play one up front, having three strikers and one of the young lads is probably going to be enough going forward. So mm. for me, I think if we can try and get him in before the weekend, it doesn't sound like we're going to you know we couldn't get anyone in before Bradford, could we? But maybe this week's going to be the week. I think for me, another striker, um, someone to give Freddie an option or a rest every now and again would be would be perfect, really. In the transfer window. I I would say um, another centre-half because I'm not really taken with um, any of the ones we started the season with. I think Toto looks decent, but I think we need some more height and some more pace. Um, so one then, I'm definitely a striker because I think, uh, we, like you say, Freddie, we can't rely on him like we relied on Kai Kai. That was a gamble that paid off. Um, and I think that we just need to get some more goals up there. And then just one more on the wing somewhere for a bit of pace and direct running again because that seems to be where we cause team problems. But I think we're settled. Central midfield were all right and I think cent- uh, full-backs were fine. Keepers all right. So outside of them. 
get spending. Once we sold Ian Black to China, I think <laughs> then we'll have a bit of a war chest to go in with, so that'd be great. Yeah, before we ask you, Ollie, about what you think, you know, Ian Black still continues to miss games through personal problems. We briefly mentioned it last week and said, oh, we hope it's not nothing too bad. And it's dragged on another week now, hasn't it, Ollie, which has started to get sort of tongues wagging about mm. whether he is he is heading to China. <laughs> no, not really. Just whether, whether we will be looking to offload him and maybe he's out there looking for another club. So... It's going to be interesting to see, because I can't see us bringing in another three players without us moving players on as well. So mm. it's almost as interesting to think about who's going to be leaving as well as coming in. But, you know, what are you looking to bring in, Ollie? And, you know, is there anyone you think we might be moving on? Um, I think, yeah, I hope, well, I hope there's nothing wrong with obviously Ian Black's family and all that. So yep, yep. Um, oh, yeah, if he moves on, obviously I'm sure we must have been playing, paying for um, E-Bank's, Blake's wage a bit as well. So that must have cleared a bit of... Um, budget-free, um, yeah. So, I think um, maybe an, I'd love to have us have a. We do play obviously with kind of two. Well, we've got a defence midfielder and a box-to-box central midfielder. I think we could do with another central midfielder, another striker definitely, um, and maybe another central defender. I don't know. I'm just McGiven and Lancashire. McGiven, I just still can't get forgive McGiven for being such a tool at Warsaw um, the <laughs> necessary sending off and Lancashire sometimes he impresses me and sometimes he looks like a good he reminds me a little bit into, I don't know whether it's just his build and stuff reminds me of Langmead and I was quite like Langmead and I don't know I want him mm. to do well but yeah he just seems a bit to switch off sometimes But so yeah maybe we'll Maybe we'll convert him into a striker then we'll do the reverse Langmead <laughs> turn him into a big target man yeah that's true enough I mean Go on, Ollie. Yeah, so hopefully we'll decide. I think we just need to, we need some bodies. So Paul Hurst mentioned in his post-match that we just need some bodies. And while it is great to see some of these youth players, and they do seem to have, the youth players do seem to be getting some positive comments from Hurst. You know, and he wouldn't make those comments unless he felt they were deserved. And, and Hurst seems like a tough man to um, to get praise from. So that's obviously definitely positive. But we certainly need some um some extra bodies because we haven't done too badly for injuries this year. Obviously, Wally's been injured all the time and AJ's injured all the time. Um, yeah. And obviously, McGiven had that injury for a little bit, right? So actually, we've had a few, but you know, the, quite a few of them come back now. But um, we got, but yeah, if we lost, you know, a couple of defenders, a couple of midfielders, we'd be in serious trouble. Mm. I think that's fine. I think yeah, we all, in all seriousness, all of us said we could do with someone in all three positions again. So yeah. uh, we'll have to see what happens. It's definitely going to happen. But I'm, I'm more intrigued to see who's going out this week or next week because I think we will ship a few on because you know we haven't got the largest budget in League One, so there is always there's always that we always need that wiggle room. But yeah, I think I mean the only other thing we wanted to cover in Salop News this week, Ollie, was um, I just wanted to sort of trail next next weekend for the we're playing Oldham next week. God, I can't remember. Yeah. We're playing, playing Oldham, aren't we? Oldham yeah. at home, yeah. Um, for the Oldham game at home, we're going to be selling um, the new issue of the Blue and Amber fanzine. So we've done a lot of work on it this week um, and it's ready to go. It's just a pound as usual. So we shall be selling outside the, the main entrance and also at the, the Super Blues Way gate as well. So anyone that's uh, been waiting for an issue, it's been almost a year for it to come out, we should, we should be there and usual sort of jokes and, and sort of pieces on the football club. And you've written a little bit for the Southcast on it, haven't you, Ollie, which will be quite interesting. So yeah, I just wanted to let people know who are listening that it'll be there next week and uh, come and come and grab a copy off us at the front gate, really. So there we go. Buy one, please. <laughs> Only a pound. <laughs> I've roped Mike into selling as well, Ollie. Mike's helped me sell every issue of the fanzine since we started doing it in 2005. So he's, he's useful for things like that. It's good to have brothers that will help each other, Ollie. Yeah, but I still went right for it. I'm not interested in that part. <laughs> it was, it's been hard enough getting him to come on the podcast. So yeah, that, that was good enough. But there we go. So um, I think as well, we're just going to cover Mike's uh, all-time team, aren't we? Because we always ask everyone that comes on the podcast... Um, for their all-time team and obviously me and Mike have been going for the same amount of time so we've had the same pool of players to pick from and when you look at it we haven't actually picked that many different players in our squad so yeah do you want to run through your all-time team Mike and sort of the reasons why that would be yeah good basically this has took up the most of my week at work thinking about this has been pretty difficult Um, (laughs) but really it's it's a bit of a mix really because obviously I started watching a pretty much championship team with some excellent players in it and then we went through a real dark period and then it's seen sort of two recent promotions so it kind of picked from those sort of groups of players I think um, but I went for Paul Edwards in goal. <clears throat> I was thinking about Joe Hart, but he didn't really play for us for long enough. So I can just remember sitting in the family stand as a kid, you know, chanting Eagle, Eagle, and, and throwing your hands left and right. And I just remember him being uh, like a super consistent goalkeeper. And, he, and a lot of the players that I picked seemed to really care about playing for Shrewsbury and, and, and put the effort in. And I remember him being a good sort of club man. So yeah. he's my goalkeeper. Uh, a left back, I've gone for Tommy Lynch, who bit of a personal hero and just an all-round uh, solid defender. He would put his body on the line, absolutely launch into every single tackle he he could. Um, and again, just put in 110% every week, which was what I the, the, sort of the, the thing I look for in footballers, really. 
He was um, there on Saturday, wasn't he, as well? That was the interesting oh, was thing. was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, uh, brilliant. You obviously go off at half-time to see mum and dad, but yeah. um, he was there doing the sort of half-time draw, wasn't he, Ollie? And he was sort of saying about how much he loved playing for Shrewsbury. Oh, good lad. said it was my home for six years, and you couldn't understand half of what he was saying, because he's still massively Irish. I met him in C21 once, and I couldn't understand what he was saying <laughs> then either, to be honest. So, yeah, so um, it was good to see Tommy Lynch back at the football club, actually. He comes back every sort of three or five years, doesn't he? So, okay. yeah, there you go. So he was there. You missed your legend. I should have told you, mate. Oh, that's a shame. Um, and then a right back. I couldn't really think of a right back that I ever really liked all that much. So I went for Jermaine Grandison purely because of the entertainment value. Yes. Glenn's punching the air now. I mean, <laughs> positionally and tactically at the back, he was a bit of a liability. But, you know, like the goal away at Notts County and some of those step overs and some of the most ridiculous stuff I've seen on a football pitch, I'd have him in there just to, just to get me to go and watch this team, to be honest with you. So I went for a controversial Grandison at right back. And then at centre half, I went for Goldson because I think he's one of the standout uh, footballers we've produced at the club and the way he could take the ball out of defence and step into midfield and give us another body in there so we could push forward and build on him I thought we've really missed that since he left and obviously he's gone on to better things so he's a quality footballer and I went for Dave Walton to go with him because another good club man couple of couple of spells with us and just um, he was part of something that we did really well when mm. we won the league and just you could never beat Dave Walton as they used to say <laughs> so um, that was the back four I, then, sh- I should just say now before Mike goes into his midfield Ollie he's about to tell us who his left winger is right and gr- when we were growing up Mike's ultimate all time favourite player was this guy yeah. he had posters of him on his wall in between his posters of Dwight York with a leather jacket <laughs> over his back and Dwight York but he was there in pride of place on my brother's yeah. wall so here he is your left winger Mike uh, Austin Barkley who <laughs> I know some people thought he was lightweight and didn't really produce but um I think I was just taken with him by yeah, those mazy runs. And then I remember I always remember that goal away at Fulham in the cup where um, he sort of ran half the length of the pitch and popped it in the back of the net. And I don't know, I think as a youngster you develop um, memories of footballers and you remember the good and you forget the bad. <laughs> and uh, I think that might be the case with Austin. But um, yeah, he was he was just one of my heroes as a kid. And I always wanted to be a winger, but I was never fast enough or tricky enough <laughs> or could cross the ball. But other than that, I was going to make it. But um, no, so I liked Austin. And then on the other side, I would have Mickey Brown. Uh, another good club man, couple of spells. Uh, there's a bit of a theme occurring here. Um, but hey, I can always remember, again, in the family stand, skinning Mickey and, and Tricky Mickey going down the wing and, and scoring goals and creating goals and just really being uh, super reliable. And also, he's a top chap as well. He's a lovely fella. So um, those are my wingers. I do like playing with wingers, so I picked a 4-4-2. And then in the centre of midfield, I went for Paul Evans because uh, I just remember him scoring loads of screamers, yeah. which I um, always enjoy to see one rattling from 30 yards. Uh, and then I went for Ryan Woods as well because, again, since he left, you kind of notice how he could receive the ball in a tight area in our half. A couple of touches and he'd be away and he'd be beyond the guys marking him and he would create so much space and so much, um, so many problems for the opposition that yeah. I think we... I can't remember a player doing that before or since, really. And I think he was quite a unique player. Plus, he did a good job at right-back while he played there. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And then up front, I went for Rodgers and Holt. Oh. Um, Rodgers, because he was electric. I was convinced he was going to play for England once. Um, <laughs> But he never really got there, but I just thought he was brilliant and he, he rattled in some brilliant goals. And then Holt, because he should have never signed for us. We were lucky to get him. We were lucky to have him for one season and he just stood out as head and shoulders, one of the best players we've had. And I mean, it, it proved it with all the goals he scored and the fact that he went on to play in the Premier League. So just Holty, the work rate as well. Um, that was my team. Yeah. And I'd have Fred Davis manage him because he won oh. the league. There you go. Yeah, we've not been picking managers, have we, Ollie? We should have done that, maybe. But yeah, Fred Davis is a good shout. What, what do you make of that team, Ollie? I know you've, me and you have discussed Jem, Jermaine Grandison plenty of times <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah, it's pretty solid, isn't it? Pretty similar to mine, but same same strike force. But yeah, what do you make of it, mate? Yeah, no, it's a good team. Some quite a few. You've got one, two, three. You've got about 50% of the players are similar to mine, um, maybe even a bit higher than yeah, that. There you go. Um, if I was the opposition manager, I'd definitely target Grandison. Um <laughs> But um, but no, yeah, it's good, good to see, and also um, it's not harsh toggling. Um, it's um, yeah, good to see um, a few a few different names, and yeah, it's not a surprise given. Um, yeah, we started supporting town. Well, I started supporting town yeah. a few years before you guys, but because of my location, the fact I didn't live in Shrewsbury, I didn't go to. Um, as many games until we moved to the new meta. So, um, but no, yeah, it's good to see, and it just kind of shows, isn't it? Be interesting to see how Woods and Goldson go, where they go to in the end. Um, interesting, you haven't put Joe Hart in there though. That's I guess that's one that's one surprise for me. Yeah, I, yeah, like I said, just I don't think he played for us long enough. And I remember his debut at Morecambe where he conceded some really soft goals and he sort of <laughs> fell over the ball for one of them. And I've never really forgiven him for that. To be honest, <laughs> such a harsh yeah. first impression. That well, that's it. Morecambe. First impressions count, don't they? So he was only sixteen. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, you've just got to make it happen when you get in the team. No, um, to be fair, from that performance, you couldn't have ever picked him to be England cap- uh, England captain and England goalkeeper. Mm, so, yeah. um, and then watching City today, he must be sat in Torino laughing, mad, laughing into his pint. I think because um, why he's not starting for them every week, I've got no idea. It's mad, isn't it, Ollie? How he's not? How he's just been binned off by Pep. Pep's in big trouble, I reckon, down the line. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it? He, yeah, they're a mess. Like, um, it's always funny to watch them. These big teams with all this big money, and while I. I do love tactics and Pep has, you know, given football fans some, some fantastic kind of teams and stuff. It is quite mm, hilarious yeah. that, you know, the the world's best football managers come to England and it is a bit hit and run and it is chase and it's all about the second balls and stuff. But yeah, he's you know, to be spanked four nil um by Everton who were on a pretty poor run um with some kids scoring against you. Um, yeah, it's pretty hilarious really and um yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does. But just the way he just tries to make his team pass the ball out all the time and and then obviously their goalkeeper can't really hit it and they've got no one to really hit it too so yeah it's just it's quite funny seeing Manchester's season implode he's just throwing it back to League One about that game that Lookman scored didn't he the guy from Charlton who they bought in the I think it was like the last week or the week before so it shows you the quality of player you can get down at League One level because he, he, he played in, for the Everton team and he scored today didn't he and it's just you know what a debut that would be yep. for the kid coming up. It was from a League nice one, finish so. as well. Yeah, so there's obviously the talent in League One, and it does remind us that we are playing against players with an absolute with a, with a decent pedigree. You know, we're not down in League Two, we very rarely find those players. There's yeah. plenty of players with pedigree at League Two level that we've come across this season. The Jay Spearings and other players that we've talked about in, in the course of the season. It does just remind us really that you know we are a little fishing a little fishing at a slightly bigger pond than we were in League Two. So we do have to have that sense of realism. But there we go. Yeah, solid team, Mike. I, I think it's crack, cracking that to be honest with you. And we, I think we're going to put it out on the Twitter. Aren't we? And ask for Mike versus I can't remember who it was last now. See, see who thinks which team's best. But That's it, yeah. I think, like you say, Granderson and Barkey are probably my weak links. But you know, they're the entertainers. You've got to have entertainers in there. People aren't going to come and watch. You know, eleven Jake Sedgemores are they? So. <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> um, ok I think that sums up the end of that pit and we'll uh, we'll just go on to our predictions Ollie the situation is clear that's an excellent ball in it's Holt Heather Shrewsbury Town have the lead it's his 28th goal of the season so into the predictions once again me and Ollie are on a bit of a bad run at the moment you went for a 2-2 draw and I went for a, a I went for a I actually went for a 1-0 loss didn't I you put, I think you put 1-1 on the agenda but I think I went for us to lose so um, yeah no points for us either last week and we are going to be predicting the Oldham home game next weekend um, and seeing what we think I, I don't mind starting this week Ollie um, I think we're going to win I'm very enthused from Saturday I like the new lads that we've just spent all this time talking about and I think having talked to my boss the Oldham fan my boss the Oldham fan I always call him that I never call him his actual name on the podcast um, I talked to him again last week and they've still got their transfer embargo and I think that um, Sheridan's just gone back there to manage them hasn't he uh, did you see that they've just because Sheridan left somewhere and they got him back straight away I'm pretty sure that's true. Anyway, that's what he was telling me. But um, so yeah, there's there's lots going on at Oldham, which is not too good. So I'm going to go for a, a confident two 0 victory. Yeah, I was going for the same. I wrote it, I wrote it down before. Um, Did you? I never saw that. Yeah, so we started. So I, I went for a two 0 win as well. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, to see whether that comes true. But um, yeah, I'm going for a win, and it would be um, fantastic if we win, and hopefully everyone else around us won't win as well. So we'll climb out again, and it's good to see also we're catching other teams up, um, like yes. MK Dons and stuff as well. So we can do that. But yeah, so Mike, what do you think? You know, we would like to put give you the chance as well. What do you think is going the score going to be? I'm the sort of person that expects the worst and hopes for the best. But as it doesn't count for anything, I would say we're probably <laughs> going to win next week actually because. Hopefully we'll get a bounce off this. Maybe a couple of bodies in during the week. Um, extra people in the squad. Refresh it a bit more. Um, so I'm going to go one nil. I think I'm going to just Tight. yeah. I think we'll we'll see them off, and we were, they won't get many chances, but we won't create many, and we'll nick one. Good. Three predictions, all wins. That's never happened this season, Ollie. So things must be looking up, to be honest with you. And it's just interesting what you said about the teams above us. And it, it is actually, you know, the Swindon draw and then the, the victory there. And, and it has sucked Swindon and kind of almost sucked Vale back into trouble, hasn't it, down the bottom? Um, we're actually dragging more teams in now from, from above us by winning. So I know Berry won as well. And, and I think Oldham hung on to a win in the end, didn't they? So, you know, there's a few teams down the bottom that won. That means that it, the, the sort of the lower reaches of the league are now becoming a bit more in touch. So mm. that's all. it's only going to help the more teams we can drag into it the better as far as this relegation battle goes I like I like our chances of you know Shuba Town's usual tactic um, hope there's four worse teams than us in the <laughs> league so it's looking good for that actually I'm quite positive on that front if nothing else <laughs> there we go yeah hopefully Port Vale will do us a favour on the Friday so they're playing um, Berry on the Friday before so hopefully Port Vale can do us a favour um, and then yeah Fleetwood 
could hopefully they can do us a favour as well, beat Coventry. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can have a few results go our way and we'll, we'll get out of the relegation zone again. Fleetwood owe us a favour, don't they? That was mad on the weekend about Berry as well, winning 5 1 yeah, against Peterborough. So we could do without them rediscovering their form. And, um, you know, let's hope it was a one off, but, it, you know, not encouraging for us reading that scoreline. No, it's funny actually the Berry, um, I've got some friends, uh, as I said before, uh, yeah. Berry friends, and um, they um, they um, put on Facebook at half time, they thought they're going to lose 5 4. <laughs> um, but, um, that's they feel at the moment so very similar to Shrewsy fans absolutely no confidence at all but um, it's building slowly building and yeah hopefully a couple of new signings and a bit more time on the training ground obviously got a week off next week to prepare for the next match mm. yeah fingers crossed we can get something good stuff anything else you want to mention Ollie or are we going to we're going to wrap this pod up no just say thanks to Mike for joining the interest in, it's been interesting having you on and yeah get to get your views so yeah thanks for coming along Yes, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And as an avid listener, I've got to say, you guys are doing a cracking job with this. Um, and it's good to have something out there that isn't like um, club output, let's say. Like Glyn's, Glyn's a big Shoesby fan. He, he does a lot of things like Parliament and fanzine and things like that. Whereas I'm just a kind of fan who turns up at three and goes home at five, what have you. And I don't really get involved in that side of it. So it's good. You give us information, but it's it's fan fan oriented. I, I like it. It's It's a good... Good thing, and I, it takes me a lot to me to compliment Glenn, yes. so it must be all right. Like. I was about to say exactly the same thing, Ollie. If Mike's giving me a compliment, we must be doing something reasonably good. And yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear a positive comment. We've had that from a lot of fans this season, haven't we? Which has been great to hear. Which is the reason why we've we've kept plugging away at it and trying to improve it as we go along. So um, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be well received. But yeah, I should just say thanks to Mike coming on. I, sh- I should say, as Mike just said, then like I've always tried to get my finger in all the pies with Town because I like trying to help the football club and I like trying to do fan related things. <laughs> Mike just likes watching the football. Yeah, I'm not sure he even liked watching the football half the time. No. But, um, for Mike to come on the podcast is <laughs> quite a big thing, so yeah, cheers, yeah. brother. It was, it was payback for some child child minding that he did for us, <laughs> so it was right. But uh, apologies to anybody listening, mine and Glenn's voices are pretty much identical, yeah. so you probably don't even think you've had a guest on today, to be honest. No, that's yeah. true enough, I could have just pretended to be you, so yeah. yeah. Good stuff, Ollie. So yeah, we'll, we look forward to next week, don't we, and we shall be back for the next episode of Salvacast. Yep, cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers, Ollie. Have a good one, mate. Thank you all. Oh!